Hi, I'm Spencer Christian. I've been a broadcast journalist and weathercaster for more than 50 years. And over those years, I've met many remarkable people. Remarkable people with remarkable insight. Now, I'll be talking with them about the issues of the day and about their personal journeys. I'll even share a few of my own. So come join me after the weather, and we'll learn together. Across the state and the country, rural hospitals are finding themselves in a really tough spot. The effects of the pandemic, which many thought would be a windfall for hospitals, actually depleted cash reserves at a staggering rate. Costs for nurses and hospital staff have increased significantly, with smaller hospitals competing with larger and better funded operations for the same workforce. Costs for drugs and supplies have also increased, often by as much as 40%. And federal programs meant to prop up hospitals impacted by the pandemic have since dried up, leaving many small but critical access hospitals with tough choices, cut vital services, or even shut down operations completely. The latter often means leaving thousands of people without access to health care. Hazel Hawkins Memorial Hospital, located in the bucolic central coast town of Hollister, is a perfect example of the current situation and how one rural hospital is trying to navigate those perilous waters. Hazel Hawkins is the only hospital within a vast county situated between Salinas and Watsonville. It is also the only health care provider with several rural clinics delivering care to populations that might not otherwise have access to health care. And as with most rural hospitals in California, a large percentage of its patients are on Medi-Cal or Medicare, which can have far-reaching economic impacts for small hospitals. It's across the, the state. One of the other contributing factors is we saw that increase of costs Mm -hmm. um, especially during COVID, but even before that. But we have not seen a significant or even um, in some cases, any increase in our Medi-Cal reimbursement in over 12 years. So think about that. Over 12 years, some of our inpatient reimbursement has not been increased, but yet our costs are going up. That's Mary Casillas, the interim CEO for Hazel Hawkins, which last November declared a fiscal emergency, paving the way for the healthcare district to file for Chapter 9 bankruptcy. She and her colleagues have been working to try to shore up the hospital finances while looking for either a strategic partner or a buyer. But time is running out. We declared a fiscal emergency in November of last year. What are some of the complex issues facing hospitals that are uh, causing some to consider closing? Well, certainly the pandemic was uh, a huge contributor to our situation. And I think many hospitals across not just California, but the United States, we saw an increase of our costs dramatically during that time. And, you know, we saw in the last two years an increase of drug prices at 41%. Supply costs went up over 20%. And then labor. Labor was an extreme piece of the puzzle during COVID. Our little hospital went from having about 10 to 12 inpatients to 40. We had to get staff to come take care of our patients. And that was premium paid staff. So we had to get travelers and we had to get folks that were being paid, rightfully so, a large amount of money to come take care of our patients. And we just haven't really recovered from that impact. All these challenges, I would guess, are particularly difficult in, in rural communities, right? Where people live far away and don't have immediate yes. access. 
Yes. So we are the only hospital in San Bernardino County. Uh-huh. So when our community got sick, there was only one place to go. Right. When you're in a larger community, you have other options and you can lighten your load because there's other hospitals around. We didn't have that option. Uh, nor do we have that option now. So, yes, rural hospitals do take a little bit more of a hit, especially with the employees, too. Trying right. to get folks to come work here, it's a little different. Hospitals have had to cut services in many cases, uh, lay off staff. So you've got a reduced uh, number of employees at various levels providing various services. That's got to make your, your your primary cause, which is to serve your patients, even more difficult. It It is. We are constantly, we are a distressed hospital and we are constantly looking at our services mm-hmm. to see what we can cut. We want to make sure that our community is not left without a service. Now, we are required by the state to give, to make sure we have certain services if we have an acute care hospital. So there are certain things we cannot close, but there are certain services that we are not required to have. Some hospitals have made a very, very difficult decision. We have not done this yet. Hazel, I want to stress that, but one of the... um, services that we provide that is not required is a maternity ward. Ah, So think about that. That's why many hospitals around the state, some hospitals, that'll be the first thing that they cut. But here at Hazel Hawkins, we are the only one that provides that service to our community. So it's very important for us to try to keep that service, but it's not required. We know if those patients, if we did close that service, right, and, and there's no place to give birth here in San Benito County, they're going to come to our emergency room. So that would be a different situation. Um, but other hospitals have had to make that very difficult decision. There, there are counties in California where there's only one hospital, where if, if you need to deliver a baby, I mean, there's, there's things that happen, right? There needs to be a way to provide the care. And I, I do think that uh, our leaders in Sacramento are finally appreciating that. They, they've known it for a long time, but it, it's really come to a head in part as a result of, of um, the, the craziness we all experienced through COVID and, and coming out of COVID yeah. and, and how that's kind of shined a light on on uh, some of the difficulties. That's Michael Sweet. Uh, my name is Michael Sweet. I am the chair of the Financial Restructuring Bankruptcy Department at Fox Rothschild National Law Firm. Seeing a lot of struggling hospitals, it's been a really tough time since COVID. And, uh, you know, we've, we've been working with, with hospitals that are trying to find their way in these uncertain times. We recently spoke with Michael about the state of healthcare in California and specifically rural hospitals like Hazel Hawkins. So, I think it's safe to say that the rural hospitals are really experiencing a perfect storm here. The uh, COVID was was not kind to healthcare providers. Uh, they did get kind of band-aids from uh, government in terms of funds that were made available to help get through COVID, but uh, much of that has gone away. And meanwhile, a lot of the other revenue sources have dried up or have shifted. People are are either not doing elective procedures or going elsewhere for them and the insurance companies primarily but also medicare medicaid uh have have always been uh difficult for the rural hospitals uh especially the ones that rely on the government payers uh to make ends meet so there's a lot going on with these smaller hospitals now uh and the communities need the hospitals as much as they ever did so you've got hospitals that are there 
Uh, they have had to cut back services. In rural California, it's not surprising that many of the patients are on subsidized programs like Medi-Cal and Medicare. But when your patient mix is mostly these patients, the finances become, well, acute. A few, a few dynamics going on. That's Seth Freeman. I'm a managing director with B. Riley Advisory Services, uh, formerly known as Glass Ratner. First of all, uh, rural and critical access care, uh, health care providers, hospitals primarily, but, but also other um, facilities like skilled nursing and so forth have been, been under pressure. Uh, partly because they are very dependent on government payers, where, where these kinds of healthcare providers don't have a large percentage of patients that come in with uh, private pay insurance. And what, what does that mean? You know, the, the, the hospitals are getting paid by um, Medicare and, and Medi-Cal, and uh, those rates that they're receiving are capped, and the government's been very slow in keeping up with inflation in terms of the amounts that, that they're paid. That's one of the problems. Another challenge is the fact that hospitals you know, earn money uh, based on higher end procedures like surgeries and specialties. And, and then you have um, some geographic issues where um, there, the rural hospital may be within a drivable distance to a larger city with a more prominent or prestigious hospital. There's also essentially leakage of patients or customers from you know that live around that would be the natural customer base for a rural hospital who can drive to the city to get their more significant treatment. And so it, it's revenue also that the rural hospital's not capturing. But as Michael Sweet puts it, it's not only about money or reimbursements, it's also about the people who work there and whom you can attract to come to a small farming community to go to work or start a career in medicine. Uh, and, uh, you know, rural communities are, are not generally a draw for uh, new yeah. people entering these professions. So okay. it's really hard to get young new doctors to go to these rural communities where they can serve the communities. It's, it's uh, hard to get nurses. COVID taught uh, nurses that they could do the, the traveling nurse gig and go to a big city and yeah. and really get paid well uh, and get paid on a scale that these the rural hospitals, particularly you know, some of these hospitals we're talking about in California, the challenge ones, can't 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 meet. So you have a finite supply of nurses and it's it, it has become, you know, competition nationally to to attract them. So it, it, it's really created an extraordinary mess, I think, in terms of uh, being able to provide care and uh, staff up uh, and be there for the communities that need them. For many hospitals, filing for bankruptcy might be the only option for getting to the other side of this crisis. But is filing for bankruptcy the worst thing that can happen? Are we looking at this option all wrong? Seth might have the answer. The, the public perceives the word bankruptcy with the word closure. And I think that's because, you know, as consumers, we see, you know, uh, Bed Bath & Beyond, for example, is in the news. It filed Chapter 11 and it announced it's closing its stores. Same thing when we see restaurant chains file for bankruptcy, they typically close. 
And so it's understandable that that's, that's the perception. And it's also interesting, there's a perception even by uh, some of the officials we've spoken to in regard to Hazel Hawkins, there's also a perception that uh, a, a, a condition precedent to filing bankruptcy is running out of money, that, that they see the order of events to be, oh, okay, you will file bankruptcy when you run out of money. That is a complete misnomer. You actually want to file for bankruptcy, uh, ideally, when you are at peak amounts of money, of cash available to you. And, and you know why is that? Uh, because your credit is often turned off when, when you're in bankruptcy. And the problem for hospitals that don't have a, a large endowment or a large foundation backing them is that they don't have very many sources of cash. And the other, the other real issue facing many hospitals is, is having collective bargaining agreements that are uh, very difficult to modify or, or slow to negotiate modifications. And labor costs as a percentage of operating expense is, is a huge portion for hospitals. You don't have very much negotiating leverage with your key vendors either. Um, like you might in a different kind of industry where you could go back to your vendors and say, look, we're, we're not doing very well here. We need your help. We need to extend our payment terms from 30 days to 60 days or 90 days. So we have some breathing room and figure it out. But there might be some light at the end of the tunnel. Recently, the California legislature passed Senate Bill 112 and it was signed into law just a few days ago by Governor Newsom, creating an emergency loan program that should help many of these struggling hospitals get the money they need to stay open and to serve their rural communities. I think that um, there's a recognition that we need these hospitals, and I think there's there's uh, some sunshine coming from Sacramento. There's proposals out there to address some of these issues that rural hospitals are facing. If they don't provide the boost, then these these important resources will go away. And, and these hospitals can't just find their way out of out of this morass financially on their own. It's, it, there's too many moving parts. There's too many things that are outside of their control. And there's too much need. These communities need the protection. They need the care. For Hazel Hawkins, the timing of this help from Sacramento may or may not be enough. The hospital continues to look for a partner or a buyer, and it continues to look for cost savings. But there is only so much it can do before it will have to cut service lines. I do want to stress, though, too, Hazel Hawkins, the district itself, um, San Benito Healthcare District, is not just the hospital. We have seven clinics in our community, uh-huh. and we have two skilled nursing facilities. Mm-hmm. So... We are pretty much healthcare in San Benito County. We do have another um, healthcare organization, um, but we provide the great majority of healthcare here in San Benito County. So if the district fails, it's not just the acute care center. We have 90 residents in our skilled nursing, our long-term care. That's 90 families that would have to find a place for their loved one. As we were putting this podcast together, Hazel Hawkins and the San Benito Healthcare District voted to go into Chapter 9 bankruptcy, an effort, according to them, to strengthen the district's finances ahead of a possible sale or strategic partnership with a larger organization. Despite the concerns, bankruptcy does not necessarily signal closure, but might in fact be the fastest way for the hospital to find its way to the other side of its financial hurdles. 
time will tell. Meanwhile, we'll keep you posted as we wish Hazel Hawkins the best. After the Weather was edited by Leonard Torres. Our executive producer is Marcus Young. This podcast is a product of ABC7 News. And be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform and leave us a like if you liked this episode. I'll talk to you later. Take care and so long for now. <laughs>